socialites and welcome back to the social studies podcast the podcast where we study being social by being social got a treat for you today gonna do something a little bit different i was a guest on the 12 gays of christmas podcast with host brian moylan who's a good friend of mine and so so funny He's an author. He writes really awesome books. He just released a book that's all about the housewives, which you might love. Anyway, he started this podcast where he interviews. What? Do, how do I even say this? Like notable gays? Uh, gay? I don't know. I don't want to say that about myself, but I don't know. Like Adam Rapon is one of them. Dan Savage, I believe, is another one. There's some good ones. And he interviews them about their favorite Christmas movies. Now, I, <laughs> I'm i not much of a Christmas movie or Christmas spirit guy. I can tend to be a little bit of a Scrooge. So my Christmas movie episode of The 12 Gays of Christmas was on Gremlins. Brian was nice enough to share the audio of that and I thought it would be a great way to get into the the holiday season. So without further ado, this is my episode of The 12 Gays of Christmas about the hit movie Gremlins. Welcome to the 12 Gays of Christmas, where we put the hoe in holidays. I am Dame Brian Moylan, and today I have with me a very special guest, stand-up comedian, podcast host, former elementary school teacher, and Seattleite, Joe Mr. D. Dombrowski. Joe, welcome to 12 Gays of Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa. Yes, this is here. I'm here. We're ready to go. So, Joe Dabrowski, we're going to talk about your favorite Christmas movie, Gremlins, in a minute. But first, I want to ask, are you a Christmas person? Because you read like you would be a Christmas person. That is funny. That is really funny. I am not a Christmas person. Really? I am not a Christmas person. I'm not a Christmas person. And okay, but I'm not a Scrooge. My mom calls me Scrooge because I don't like fully get into the Christmas spirit. But like what I can't do is those people who are like the day after Thanksgiving, it's Christmas music only. I'm over here like (laughs) week of that's it. And also the only ones that I really listen to are like Ari, Lady Gaga and the trap remixes of Christmas carols. Do you have a favorite pop Christmas song? Duh. Hello. It's All I Want for Christmas is You. I mean, you are a homosexual. Is there any other answer? And when a drag queen does All I Want for Christmas is You outside of the holiday season, I'll turn up for that hell. So you're not really a Christmas person. What do your holidays look like now? Oh, God. (laughs) People are going to hate me. I think I'm going to, like, lose followers. I'm not a Scrooge, I promise. Like, 
moderate Christmas decorations. I like when they're up. They make me feel good. I don't like if they're up for too long. I'm not like last year. We were pretty busy around the holidays. So Morgan and I both were like, maybe we don't do a tree this year. And I was fine with that. And I was so fine with that. But the years that we can go cut down our own tree and like drink a little cocoa with a little something in it. I'm into that. Like I'm into that number. Like I will get into putting the Christmas decorations up. And I think it's really cute when they are. But like, I'm not like coming for Christmas. Like, you know, like, I don't know. Right. You're just not. Which is why Gremlins is my favorite Christmas movie. So you're a former elementary school teacher. You taught kindergarten, fifth grade, fourth grade, all the grades. What is Christmas like in school these days for people like myself who haven't been in school for a very long time? Well, let's back this up. Like in the beginning of my career, it was very like pro Christmas. Like we could Christmas in the classroom. Like we did the whole like elf on the shelf in the classroom. We like did the Christmas door decorating. You know, the staff was doing a secret Santa and that was fine for the times. But now we don't really Christmas, especially in public school. We don't even really do any holiday for real. None. It's It's just like normal school until you're gone. When we first met, I think I was like working in this school. They told me we don't do Halloween. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, Halloween is nothing more than a cultural appropriation of the Mexican holiday, Dia de los Muertos. And I was like, I think you're wrong. Have you seen Hocus Pocus? That takes place in Estados Unidos. Like, come on. <laughs> that, that was a stretch. That was a stretch. But, and I wouldn't say it's anti-Christmas. It's just like a little school. And I think it's true. It should be all inclusive to all these different right. holidays that we had. We're putting emphasis on just one. Are we making other people feel less than? We are. So I'm on board. So do you, there's like no acknowledgement of holidays, no Santa in art class, like none of that? No, you double down on winter. You do a lot of like Got winter it. things. So very snowman heavy, snowflake heavy, uh, like mama nature heavy. You could still have like, like I would always put like a crackling fire on YouTube on my projector screen to get like cozy winter vibes. You know, I'll sing Jack Frost, blah, blah, blah on an open fire. Frosty the snowman. Frosty the snowman. But you know, we're not going to sing Here Comes Santa Claus because you no. know, The only place Santa Claus should be coming is inside Mrs. Claus because (laughs) someone's got to take over this sleigh eventually. And we can't do that if they don't procreate. You don't want Santa to come down your chimney? I don't want him to come down my chimney. I also also don't want him to see me when I'm sleeping or awake. Okay? (laughs) I don't want him to know when I've been bad or good. So get out the fuck my house for goodness sake. How about that? Oh, am I not a Christmas person? Shit. Um, can you use Santa to like keep the kids in line? Can you be like, you're gonna be on the naughty list or whatever? You're baiting me. I've told you this, I think. No, I, you have not. 100%. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just questioning. 100%. Especially <laughs> when it was not taboo, it would be like May. And I'd be like, mm, well, you know, Santa knows everything. He definitely <laughs> heard you just call me a baby back bitch. So, just so we're aware. Um, you're probably going to hell and getting coal. So two things. But yeah, I would always do that all the time. My other go-to was I would <laughs> notoriously tell my class, roll back the tapes, because I convinced them that our smoke alarm was a security camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I could just always had access to the buffoonery that they were doing. And I mean, six-year-old me would have 100% believed this. 
And speaking of which, six-year-old me, I was six years old when Gremlins came out in 1984. Never saw it until we watched it for this podcast. But when I was in first grade, my first grade teacher, Mrs. Fusco, R.I.P., read us a Gremlins, like, book for kids. Yes. Oh, my God. I remember Gremlins books for kids, too. Was this appropriate for a first grade audience? I mean, in 1987, yes. Now, (laughs) hell no. (laughs) Hell no. Also, the rating on this movie is ass backwards. (laughs) Oh, so, okay. I'm going to give everyone a little rundown of info about the movie. It came out in 1984, as I said. But, strangely, when do you think Gremlins was released? What time of year? Summer, probably, maybe? Yeah, June. This came out in June. This movie is more Christmassy than the seasonal aisle at Target on November 1st, and it came out in June. Right, Um, June 1984, when my parents were with other people. Isn't that a great time? (laughs) I was six. It was wonderful. (laughs) Um, It was executive produced by Steven Spielberg, who's a legend, obviously, and directed by Joe Dante, who made two of my other favorite 80s movies, Inner Space and The Burbs, starring Tom Mm. Hanks and Carrie Fisher. And it was written by Christopher Columbus. And this was one of the first movies he wrote. But then he went on to become a director. He made Home Alone, which we're also discussing on the podcast, as well as Adventures in Babysitting, Mrs. Doubtfire, and several of the Harry Potter movies. So he is obviously, like, you know, the real deal. Sitting pretty. Yeah. Yeah. The movie came out the same weekend as Ghostbusters. And it made $212 million internationally on an $11 million budget. So they made a shit ton on Gremlins. It was the fourth highest grossing movie of the year behind Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Which was also a Spielberg, right? Yeah. Which was also a Spielberg. And I remember this from when I was a kid. The reason we have PG-13 is because of Temple of Doom and Gremlins, because they were both rated PG. And then everyone was like, "Um, Um, this shit is scary. And so Steven Spielberg was like, well, I, I'm not going to change my movies. Why don't you change your stupid ratings? And they were like, okay, yeah. now we have PG-13. So thanks, Gremlins, I guess. Okay, just to just to like put out there how much of a hit this movie was too. And I don't like, this isn't a read by any means, but it was probably 10 years after the release of this movie when I was old enough to like watch this movie. So like 1994, 1995. And I'm still watching this movie and it's got hype around it. Like there is still Gremlins merch at this time. A hundred percent. I remember, I remember the Warner, do you remember when Warner Brothers had a store in the mall that would compete with the Disney store? Yes. There were Gremlins in that store all over the place, like just hiding or whatever. And they were so realistic. They were animatronic that they moved. And this is like mid nineties now. And those are, this is how much of a hit this movie was and is. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Oh yes. So, okay. Um, I actually sought this movie out too because I am I was a Spielberg fanatic because I, you know, very much into the creativity that was that. Very, very Spielberg, very Jim Henson's heavy in my repertoire. And this is when I start to fall in love with like creative arts. And I knew that this was a Spielberg, and I was like, I want to see it. He's using puppets again. Lots of, you know, state-of-the-art technology going on here. Let's watch it. But also I am a 
total puss puss. Like, I don't <laughs> like scary movies. I do not like scary movies. How old but are you this when one you see was, this? I was probably five or six when oh, I first okay. saw this so movie. Little. Yeah, I'm it, it was still like a accidentally puss about scary on TV. Movies. Oh, big time, big time. But there was something about this where it was like half horrifying, half whimsical yeah. that I was able to push through. But then there's also scenes like where a gremlin shoots Billy in the arm with an arrow. Like, <laughs> that is not okay. Like, that it was, like, was horrifying me. It was like the world's tiniest arrow, though. It was like, it, it, it was like shorter than a pencil. But for my five-year-old body, that arrow would have killed me. <laughs> so, you know, picturing this and like picturing them like riding a bike through your house and jumping out your windows. And when they came out of the Christmas tree, I, Dios mio, like it was not, it was not pleasant. So I think I was also drawn to it by the, uh, the allure of I'm doing something naughty by watching right. this. Yeah. And uh, just the imagination behind this concept was so enthralling to me that it very quickly became a favorite and always brings back the holidays. It's not a quote-unquote Christmas movie per se, like a Hallmark Christmas movie, but I mean, it so obviously takes place at Christmas, and, you know, I'm going to ask you about the plot in a minute, but the story is about Billy who gets a little pet for Christmas, and it's and there's Christmas carols. It happens on Christmas Eve. There's snow. Everything about it screams Christmas. Christmas is ruined by the gremlins, and then Christmas is eventually saved, and the family comes together, and they learn from their mistakes. I warned you. With Mokwai comes much responsibility. But you didn't listen. And you see what happens. I, I didn't mean it. You do with Mokwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. So would you like to give everybody a rundown of the plot of Gremlins? Yes, absolutely. So it is mid 80s. We have Billy who does like his dad ventures into this like tiny, like a little Chinatown situation into this weird pet store. And the man shows him this little animal who's called a mogwai. That's like the species, if you will. And he takes it home. And there are three rules with this mogwai. Oh, they name it Gizmo, by the way, which can we just say perfect name for that thing? Perfect name for that thing. And I'm just wondering, so you know how there's like bears and otters and and so on and so forth? Mm -hmm. What would a gay man who's a mogwai be? It's definitely um, like very much little teapot, short and stout. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, I think a mogwai, what, what solidifies that is you're short and stout and you have a hairy back. Okay. Got it. So it's like, oh, she's a mogwai. Oh, did you see the new mogwai she's dating? Okay. Right. But also, they're like, so cute. You know what? This is who a mogwai is. Do you ever watch that episode? Remember that train wreck of a TV show, Fire Island? Oh, yeah. 100%. I wrote recaps of that shit. Oh, really? Okay. Do you remember the one guy who was like, I survived potential potential rectal cancer. And I was like, girl, you had HPV polyps. It's fine. We all know about it. <laughs> like you don't have to, you don't have to rewrite this narrative. Like you had cancer. Cause guess what? You didn't. Right. Um, you got an anal wart removed. Uh, we've all been there. <laughs> right. Like, just like back it up, sister short, stout, super kind, 
Cute. Yes. Cute. Mogwai. Look, mister, there's three rules you've got to follow. Yeah, what kind of rules? Keep him out of the light. He hates bright light, especially sunlight. It'll kill him. And keep him away from water. Don't get him wet. But the most important rule, the rule you can never forget, no matter how much he cries, no matter how much he begs, never, never feed him after midnight. You got it? Sure, kid, whatever you say. Absolutely, under no circumstances can these things eat after midnight, which always confused me because I was like, but when does that stop? Right. It's like, does once the sun comes up, then you can feed them again? What confused me a bit is that these three rules are the same exact three rules that also apply to drag queens. Don't like bright lights. (gasps) Never get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. That is, unless it's liquor, but you are... (laughs) Totally correct. Now, would the liquor double as getting them wet and feeding them after midnight? Probably. Ooh, it depends. Is there a garnish in that shot? If there's like a cherry in your Manhattan, that's feeding them after midnight. I used to hang out with Acid Betty, who was on RuPaul's Drag Race, like back when I ran uh, Nightlife Magazine in New York. And she would always say, I don't know why. And I always thought it was the funniest thing. Never eat in drag. Never eat in drag. Whenever there'd be food around, she'd be like, never eat in drag. And I like, I'll never forget that. <laughs> never eat in drag. I've never like I haven't done drag since my twenties, but don't eat. We love that for Ask Betty. I mean, she basically was a gremlin already. <laughs> Which is exactly how the gremlins uh come to be. So cut to the chase, all the rules are broken. We learn do not get these things during br- in bright light, they'll die. Then what happens first is there's an accident and Gizmo, the Mogwai, gets wet. Now, this part was fascinating to me. His back bubbles up like he's got some sort of STI and it is just (laughs) bubbling, rolling, going crazy. And out of nowhere, more Mogwais just shoot out of his back. Yes. And now there's a whole box full of them. But no, 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 no. They're all mogwais. That's it. Furry, big ears, cute, looks a bit like a Furby before a Furby was a thing. (gasps) Oh my God. Why am I just now making that connection? Yes, a Furby is a, and those things are haunted. Anyway, (laughs) so, but here's the difference. Much like dogs, much like people, all the mogwais have their own distinct personality. Gizmo was the only, like, nice rules follow one. Right. The rest of them, they had a little chip on their shoulder, and they knew that they was not supposed to eat after midnight, Miss Honey. So what did they do? They got themselves in a bucket of chicken and started eating. First, they ate the wire of the clock so that the oh. clock stopped at 1130. So he's like, have a bucket of chicken. Oh. No big deal. Right. You have a half an hour. And Gizmo was like, no, girl. I don't want to turn into a nasty, scaly, gross gremlin. I am happy in my out in my fur, in my faux fur outfit. <laughs> Gizmo done new. She done new. She was not going down that road. We now know that when you get the gremlins wet, they spore in their back and shoot out more mogwais or gremlins or whatever. So they asexually yes. reproduce. So does that mean do, yes. <laughs> that mogwais slash gremlins have genders? Are they all boys? Are they all girls? Are they all both? Are they them theys? Are they? Well, we could. Let's fast forward to the sequel. This in the sequel, which did you watch the sequel? 
I saw the sequel. I've never seen the first one, but I'd seen the sequel on like HBO. It was one of those movies that they would like play and play and play. And so I'd watched it a few times. We had a friend, one of my Fire Island housemates. His name is Chris. I love him dearly. But when she would be drinking after midnight, she would become a different creature. And we called her Gremlina after the like lady gremlin who looked like a Mandalore from... Gremlins oh too. my god <laughs> she does look like amanda laporte okay so there's a lady gremlin in the sequel which you know we don't really know her parts but we assume that she identifies as a woman right. and let me tell you what as female oh yeah she is a sluter cahooter up in her cooter like she is ready for the boys and the girls did you catch the drag gremlin in this movie so you when, thought that one of them was a drag gremlin. Yeah. So when they, I mean, I'm skipping ahead, but the gremlins kind of take over the town yeah. and they there. take over the bar where Phoebe Cates works. Oh, and, yeah. And they're at like the poker table and one of them has on like bad lipstick and a bad wig and looks like total booger drag. Yep. Yeah. Now, Fun fact, too, all the gremlins were the same, and they knew that they had to differentiate them. So they would take these gremlin puppets, and they couldn't really do much to them. Like, you know, couldn't, like, add eyelashes or, or you know, change one's facial features. So it was only what you could add on. Like Stripe, the one with the mohawk, yep. it was just like a, a mohawk that could come on and off, and that particular puppet could do other things. Um which is why that scene is so cool because they're all the same, but they're different. Like the, there was one like Frank Sinatra, like one with a hat smoking a cigar and like, they all had different things. So that like throwing on a wig, can't you see the people in the studio being like, can someone give me that shake and go wig right now? Throw it on (laughs) her. Throw it on her. Yeah. I mean, you know what RuPaul says? We were all born gremlins and the rest. And the rest is drag. I mean, thank you. So that the, the plot. So then they they turn into eggs. They turn into these weird. And also, when I'm watching this, this is after this is they the time, eat after midnight. They turn into it. eggs. They turn into these eggs. Now I'm mentally in Jurassic Park mindset. So I am like super into anything this, like mm-hmm. this level of fantasy. Uh, and the eggs are where I was really into it because you know, gays, we love a metamorphosis moment. We Hello. love that. So they are they go into these weird, slimy, glowing, smoking eggs. And within a matter of 24 hours, they went from larva pupa to adult and hatched out as dirty, disgusting, terribly mean gremlins and wreaked havoc upon everything. <laughs> This is my favorite part. So, um, and so they hatch out of the eggs. Billy like works at the bank. I don't know where he is. He like brings one of them to the science teacher at school, who's like torturing this animal after midnight. Like, I, you're a teacher. Would you trust a high school science teacher to like figure out what the fuck these creatures are? This makes so much sense to me. I've had kids literally bring me like a bird egg that they found at home. They're like, what is this? I'm like, I don't fucking know, but it's Tiffany blue. I'm going to go ahead and say Robin. But like, what do I look like to you? I taught, <laughs> I know how to teach kids, not how to identify fowl. But that was very plausible. So the gremlins have hatched. 
this. Billy, are you okay? Where are you? On the hatch. Get out of the house. Mom? Mom? And they're totally going after his mother in the kitchen. And Billy's mother is it was, a, And it was graphic. It was graphic. Well, and Billy's mother is a fucking bad-ass bitch. She puts one in the fucking juicer and, like, blitzes oh. its brains out. She stabs the second one. The third one, she sprays in the face with rain and shoves it in the microwave like she's on LSD and she's babysitting and fucking fires that shit up and explodes it in the microwave. Now, this was the first scene that, like, freaked me out because, like, the first half is whimsy. The second half is horror, for sure. And this scene was wild. But Billy's mom... Billy's mom went for it. And when she stuck him in the blender, there is gremlin blood all over the place. Every which way, just spraying out. And its little body is swirling and twirling up in there, up in there. But here's the thing. You never really know the gremlin's intention. No. Now let me flip this on you. Were they trying to eat her? So here's my thing is that the gremlins don't seem homicidal. They just seem like assholes. Like they just want to fuck with things. Like they want to rewire the Christmas tree. They want to hang gizmo from the Christmas lights. Like they want. But they jumped out of the tree at her and clawed her in the face with their talons. That's true. But most of it, it's like. So, and then once the gremlins kind of take over the town, they like go to the neighbor's house and drive his tractor through the through his house, but they don't try to kill him. And the only person they come for is stupid Mrs. Daigle, who is mean to Billy at the bank and mean She's to his dog and wants bitch. to have his dog put down for some stupid reason. And so they fuck with her. She has one of those chairs that goes up the stairs and it's a spiral <laughs> yeah, staircase. And they just- Send her on up. And she goes flying out the window. And so you you hear at the end of the movie, there's like a news report. Where officials are now blaming mass hysteria for the escalating series of unexplained accidents, fires, and explosions that rocked this once peaceful town on Christmas Eve. The bizarre demise of Mrs. Ruby Deagle, widow of convicted stock swindler Donald Deagle. So not only was she a bitch, her husband was also a criminal. And so it's basically saying like, well... The We're fine with only it. Only the one person, and they basically did you a favor. Right, right. Which very so. Did you know too that this was originally written as like a horror horror movie, like an actual horror movie, oh, and like it was gr- full on. Yeah, it was. So it was straight up graphic. Like I was, I remember I watched. Um, I was very into like behind the scenes kids. I don't know if you ever remember that there was like this kids TV show called Mega Movie Magic. I, I have was never like, heard of in, such a thing. Oh. It would like it was a PBS thing and it was showing you like behind the scenes of movies like this. It might have been there where I picked this up, but it was there was like terrible things going on, like lots of murder. These gremlins were dark. There was no element of of they could be nice. And then when Steven Spielberg picked it up, he was like, love the plot have to make it palatable, which is where it started to shift into what it is today. And I'm so glad that it did because it wouldn't have been like, you know, Leprechauns in the Hood deserves more recognition than what it has right now. But if this was that, it wouldn't have been a hit. You know how you call like a group of cows a herd. I think you call a group of gremlins a frat because they just like to (laughs) smoke and drink and be assholes. Like that's all they want to do. 
I would love to get high with a bunch of gremlins. Just like <laughs> zone out and like rip the bong back and forth. Which is so funny to me because when they make the girl, they essentially just make her their bitch. And yeah. she is behind the bar just like whipping up cocktails left and right for these things. Without question. Yeah, they just have her captive. So what? one of my favorite moments is, so there are five Mogwais that become gremlins. They're like the first ones. And the one that escapes is Stripe, who has the mohawk. His name should have been Spike because A, it sounds more badass, and B, his hair is spiky. But whatever. But clearly there was not enough gays on set. Right. I can't fix everything. Anyway, so he escapes and goes to the swimming pool at the Y, which is where I swim in London at the Y swimming pool. And he jumps in the pool, literally, at the swimming pool at the Y. You want to say at the YMCA. And he jumps in the pool. And so it just starts like gremlins everywhere, gremlins everywhere. And it starts like glowing green and smoking and all this crazy shit. And what does Billy do? Billy fucking runs out of there like a little bitch. Like bitch. Billy is like, oh, he's gone. No, it's like, why did you just get some gasoline and burn all those fucking eggs, Billy? No, you let the gremlins yeah. take over the town. You ran to the police who there don't do so, anything. There are so <laughs> the police. He did go to the police, and the police were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he brought proof. Yes, he brought Gizmo and was like, this is what they start this out is- as. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like and they weren't even like, "Oh, I this is this is just a mouse." Like they weren't even like that. They were just like, "Pish posh." But in Billy's defense, when that bitch jumped up in that pool, he knew what was going to go down. Yes. And I would say, "Girl, Molly, you in danger, girl, cuz <laughs> I'd have done bam runting, runting." So There are two things I love about the cops. One is that one of them, his name is Deputy Brett, and he is the actor who plays Mike Ehrmantraut on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Um, And the second thing is, so Billy tells them that the gremlins are taking over the town. So they go out to see what's going on, and they see a Santa Claus being attacked by gremlins, and they're like, oh, girl, no. Uh-uh, no, we're not getting out of the car. And they just drive away and let this man be mauled by gremlins. Like, protect and serve. Da, 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 da. Yeah, and just, like, let it happen. But, okay, do you know what I wanted to see more than anything? I wanted to see these things be, like, tased, like, knocked out just a little bit. Yes. And domesticated. Yes. We're going to come back and talk more about how to kill gremlins in one second. Go put some more marshmallows in your hot chocolate, add some gremlin juice, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the 12 Gays of Christmas. I'm Brian Moylan. I'm here with my favorite gremlina, Joe Dombrowski, and we are talking about gremlins. And Joe Dombrowski, how do they kill the gremlins? This is one of my favorite scenes, okay? Do you remember when, okay, when they're in the department store? Yeah. Which was such a cool scene because there's so much mishap to be had and the gremlins capitalize it to the point where they take a chainsaw and Billy and the gremlin have this like chainsaw baseball bat. bat. Yeah. Like moment, which at the, okay, I was like, I 
I dabbled in the sports as a youth, and baseball was like probably the one that I was the best at because I was the best dandelion picker out there. Hello. Hello. Um, but all my baseball bats were wooden. And when he came, I will never forget, when he came to Billy with a chainsaw, I was like, he's going to saw right through it. But it was a metal bat. <laughs> also, needed, needed more sparks. Anyway, Gizmo does like a leap over this fountain, pulls the shade. In a Barbie and Ferrari. The in a Barbie Ferrari. <laughs> in a Barbie Ferrari. In a Barbie Ferrari. Dude, I need to go back and watch this movie like blown out. Oh for my sure. god. I could I oh. could not well so this is like the climactic battle is between Stripe and Gizmo and Billy. Um who is Billy is fucking hot, first of all. Oh my god! You wanna know what? Billy's still hot. Is he? Where has Billy yeah. been? The only other movie he made was like Gremlins 2. I know, like, okay, Dunn did nothing, like, one hit wonder, well, two hit wonder, perhaps. I'm sure he's done other stuff, but, like, Billy definitely still got it. She like, takes her top off daddy, in this movie and everything, it. and I was like, oh, okay. So, apparently, he was, like, targeted to be, like, this up-and-coming actor at the time. Like, he was, like, right. starting to land, like, smaller roles and was coming out, <laughs> which we wish literal, but he was kind of, like, a little bit of a name on the scene. I actually, no, it wasn't direct to offer. He had to audition for it. Um, but like audition for it. Everybody knew they loved him. And then him and the girl, what's her name in real life? Baby Cates. She famously was in Fast Times at Richmond High where she like gets out of the yes, water in a bikini. Pool. Yeah. She's in Drop Dead Fred. She married Evan Klein. And no. Yes. And kind of retired. And they have a daughter whose name is Frankie Cosmos, and she's a singer-songwriter, and she's amazing. Go stream that shit on Spotify. You can thank me later. I Because I, I was like, I'm like, I know, I was like re-watching it, and I couldn't pinpoint it, but I knew yeah. it, was, it was somewhere. It's the Fast Times, for sure, that, that solidified yes. it for me. Apparently, in their audition, um, she was cast first, and he, like, they knew they wanted him, but they needed to do a chemistry test, for sure. And he was very, very nervous, and after their audition was done, they hit it off really well. And he, like, put his head... Do you know this story? No. Yeah, he, like, put his head on her shoulder to um, just be like, oh, we did it. We're done. And apparently the casting team, like, looked over and, like, saw this little moment. And they were like, he's already obsessed with her. Like, we have to do this. And boom, he got the part from something that he did not actually as the audition. You never know. Good job, Billy. He can put his head on my shoulder. But so what I was saying is, so this is the climactic <laughs> battle with Gizmo and Stripe and Billy. But before that, all the gremlins decide that they're going to go see Snow White at the movie theater. Oh, my God. Arguably one of the best scenes in the whole damn thing. Because when that movie turns, they're like beep bopping around. They're all riddled with ADHD. There's popcorn flying. They got their 3D glasses on. Like they are running a muck up in this theater. And it's a sold out house. Like every seat is a gremlin. And they, they were terrorizing the town. And then they're like, oh, girl, Snow White's about to start. And they just all go to the movie theater together. <laughs> And so what Billy does is he goes to the boiler room, 
turns on the gas and then lights uh, like a piece of fabric on fire and fucking blows the whole movie theater up with all the gremlins inside of it. Just wild. Um, so, Joe Dombrowski, I would like to play a little game with you. I love a good game. Okay. So, we know that you have experience dealing with children and faking them out about behaving so that they'll get gifts from Santa Claus. So, we're going to play a little game that I like to call Naughty or Nice. And I'm going to tell you some behaviors and you're going to tell me if this behavior would land you on the naughty list or on the nice list. Okay. The first one, we already touched on a bit, playing All I Want for Christmas is You on the jukebox at a gay bar in July. That is a nice thing to do. That's nice because that brings the spirit up of the room. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to love it. They haven't heard it in a while and you know they they love it. They're the gays. And if you or if you're lucky, a drag queen will come out regardless of season and perform and bring everyone some Christmas summertime joy. That's nice. What about being horny on Maine? Um, that is also nice because you're giving the gift of yourself to somebody else and they love that and you love that. That's a nice, that's nice. What about live tweeting RuPaul's Drag Race while it's airing and including spoilers? That is naughty. That is so naughty. We don't approve. We do not like that. Santa has Twitter and he's going to see it and your ass is getting coal because you're going to ruin it for people like you and I. How dare she? How dare she? Agree. Trying to hook up with your best friend's ex-boyfriend how long have they been broken up um let's say a year that is um naughty but acceptable especially if the other person's moved on and has dated somebody else and this ex like doesn't come around the picture very often and i may have done this once or twice (laughs) moving on (laughs) (laughs) all right taking a screenshot of a dick pic someone sent you and sending it to your friends oh Oh, it is naughty, but like fine. Okay, here's the whole thing too. It's naughty. Whenever people, but I, I sure done did it. Oh, sure, sure, surely done did it. But I have when friends do this now, I do say, don't screenshot that shit. You don't want anyone doing that to you. Wait till we're together, and then show me from your grinder. That's that is that is the 2021 way of being a. Horny little sluter kahooter up in these here streets. And that's fine. Per- I agree. Perfectly acceptable. What about not re- responding to people who message you that you're not interested in on Grinder? Done did do it. Have done it. It is naughty. You shouldn't do that. Just be direct. And it, it might hurt their feelings, but sugarcoating never did nothing but give cavities. So just be honest. Be like, I'm looking for a little bit of something else and move forward. But just don't leave them on red. I completely agree with you. And if you leave me on red, your shit is blocked. I like never want to see you again. I saw the funniest one. The funniest thing online the other day. It was a grinder thread between two guys. And it was like, hey, 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 hey. Like texting back from like doing hey for months. And then they switch from hey. They go, hey, 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 hey. I have a nine inch thick dick. And the other guy was like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. That's why guys send dick pics. It's like, yeah, okay, I wasn't interested, but I can be maybe. down to clown. Yeah. Uh, what about requesting a song from the DJ at a gay bar? I mean, it's naughty to them, but for me, that's a nice thing. But that I think, like we, everyone's been twenty-two once, right? And after that, we know that that's naughty, and we just let them do their thing. That's their art. That's their art. What about bringing girls to gay bars? Ooh, dicey waters, dicey waters. It's not a good look. I won't say that it's naughty, but it's not a good look. I'm I'm very pro inclusive spaces for everyone, which I, I I do love. But I am also pro spaces for the gays because I, I, b- big irk for me, a gaggle of bridesmaids walk into the gay bar. I'm yes. not your fucking show. Yes. Don't come up to me asking me if we can make out because I'm gay. I, don't ask me if we can go shopping next week. Bitch, I don't even like shopping for myself. Like, I'm not <laughs> your show. So anti that, but pro, bringing my good Judy to Kiki, showing her what's up because yes. I know that she can hang. Yes, I think so that, that is nice. If you're if they're going to respect the space, then that's cool. But they're also cert- like I would never bring a girl to the cock, but I'd bring a girl oh. to like, you know, your average run of the mill hole in the wall gay bar, but not somewhere where talking like, about the cock on second and second. Um, it has since How, moved. Oh my god! What? How did I know? <laughs> no, but just, like, just kidding. Yeah, do not bring a girl to the like. Don't bring them to like sexually charged spaces. Like nobody yeah, wants the them. Cuff, any of the eagles, they don't need to be up in there too. No. But let me tell you what: your good Judy lesbian, she can hang. Your non-bi friend, like bring him on over. They're under the rainbow umbrella. We're specifically talking about your heteronormative straight woman friend. Which, no shade against y'all, but, like, you got to prove yourself till I invite you into this, like, very intimate, safe space that I share with these people. I have a friend who's a party promoter, and he always says that straight girls are used to being in bars and clubs where everything is catered to them. Like, they get in for free. They get cheap drinks. Everyone's paying attention to them. And then they come into gay bars, and they expect the same treatment and my friend always says to them your pussy has no power here like nobody cares yeah like you are not the main attraction and like i think that if women can internalize that and be like this is a space for other people and you are a guest then you're like fine to come and enjoy that moment let me be on the meat market baby you just sit and do the best people watching you've ever had in your life thank you um, and our final one, dressing oh. up like sexy Santa. Was not into it. This was a big, big, it, this is naughty and nice, okay? It is naughty when you're in the United States. But I spent a Christmas season in Australia once, and sexy Santa in his Speedo Ooh. on Bondi Beach. Oh. Baby, that is Ooh. nice. That Ooh. is nice. That is nice. That is nice. And I'm like, there better not be a great white getting him off that surfboard because we need him to come back because I just passed out. And honey, I am not, do not resuscitate. So come on. We're going to play a little sandlot over here. (laughs) We're going to do the thing. (laughs) How do you feel? uh, Christmas theme porn? Yes or no? Hard, hard no. Hard no. Girl, after Thanksgiving, from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day, sign me up. I'm really? Put on a Santa hat and fuck away. I am into her. Okay, but is it is it like 
high camp. Because if it's high camp, I can get into it. But if it's like emotional, like you're my reason for this season, sugar tits. Like that, yeah. um, if it's like, if it's like making love in the theme of Christmas, no. But if it's high camp, you both got Christmas hats on and someone's going to pop out a few lights from their puswacha, that I can probably get down. That is what I'm talking about. That I just want like... A normal porn scene, but there's a Christmas tree in the background. Like, and then I'm like, yes, okay. Jesus is the reason for the season. And Jesus is I the name you. of the bottom who is getting fucked in this movie. <laughs> it's Jesus. Let's get it right. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, so getting back to Gremlins, would you consider Gremlins a gay movie? Uh... Yes, any movie that allows you to escape the world that you live in makes the life that we live better for the gays, especially at these times when this stuff came out. So, yeah, this is a gay movie. I didn't think it was the a gay movie. The sequel is a gay movie. Oh, the sequel sure. is not just a gay movie. Mm -hmm. The sequel can say faggot. I mean, let's get it the right. The sequel is gay. I didn't think this movie was gay until the Barbie Ferrari showed up. And then I was like, oh, have I been reading Gizmo wrong this whole time? She's in a right. Barbie oh, baby, Ferrari getting it done, killing Stripe in the fountain. She is a woman. Hear her mule. <laughs> Did you know? You know who's the voice of Gizmo, by the way? Howie Mandel. Were you just going to say that? I was going to say that. Yes. Are we on the same page again? Oh, again? I love it. Yeah, Howie Mandel. That threw me for a loop. Joe Dabrowski, thank you so much for being here to talk about Gremlins. Merry Christmas to you. Where in the world can everyone find you this holiday season? Oh, God, on all of the social meds, it's at Mr. D times three, M-R-D-T-I-M-E-S, the number three. Just find me. Um, my website's the same, Mr. D times three dot com. I'm back on tour in 2022, which is quickly approaching. So check me out. I'm probably coming to your city. Would love to see you at a show and laugh with you. Um, so coming out. And don't be a stranger. I'm a very friendly guy. Write me in the DMs. Tell me you found me from the 12 gays of Christmas. So I just want to thank everybody for listening. Everyone who has subscribed and rated and reviewed 12 gays of Christmas. Unless you gave us a bad review, then you can fuck right off. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, Morgan's Pop Talks, TV, watch, repeat, and so many more. Visit thedip.com where you can get more pop culture commentary and analysis. That's the dip with two P's. The second P is for poussoir.com. Follow them on Instagram at thedip.com. And of course, you can find me at Brian J. Moylan, everywhere books are sold. And I will see you next episode. Merry fucking Christmas. Love it. Brian, thank you so much for having me on the 12 Gays of Christmas podcast. You guys can go follow the 12 Gays of Christmas and listen to the rest of the episodes wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. But more about this podcast. We keep this podcast going mainly from our Patreon subscribers where you can go to get tons of bonus content and what 
not. I appreciate all of the Patreon followers. You can become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash patreon.com slash for only five bucks, five bucks, five bucks. That's like a cup of coffee for a month's worth of content. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our newest Patreon members. Trish Durrell. There's a silent E at the end of that one, but it might not be silent. So if I messed that up, sorry, Trish. Kate Haas. Candace, just Candace. Amber Rios. Rachel Scripter. Abby, just Abby. And someone going by the name S. Bun. We love you, S. Bun. Thank you so much to our new Patreon fans and followers. Again, you can become a Patreon fan at patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Social Studies Podcast week after week after week. I absolutely love making this podcast for you, and it is for you. So let me know what you want some more of as we go into 2022. I love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.